Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Who is this team? And what have you guys done with the Detroit Red Wings? I leave for a week and everything turns upside down. I'm not complaining, but I don't trust it. You're telling me Robbie Fabry isn't the savior. No, no. He definitely is. Okay, you don't besmirch Robbie Fabry this early in the episode. I saw a tweet just before I logged on, or before I logged on, before I got here from Rowan saying Robbie Fabry is the greatest Red Wing to ever wear the number 14. (laughs) I think he did that knowing that Brendan Shanahan is my favorite player of all time. And I looked at that, I was like, yeah, he's right. Robbie Fabry. It's. I have just been in absolute glee for the past week, and then the next couple of days, thanks to vacation, and then Robbie Fabry. Boy, that's gonna disappear when you wake up tomorrow morning. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go away fast. Welcome mm. to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm back. Good for you. I don't remember saying you could come back. <laughs> <laughs> Brad and I made it very clear that we can run this show by ourselves. I guess we're uh, we're doing this on air now. And yet I'm here. Oh. <laughs> I always thought you guys would absolutely beat the hell out of me one day, but we got here and Brad has a sling on. Brad, what? Again, I leave for a week and you have <laughs> a new baby, one less shoulder. Evan is assertive. Legitimately is this a prank? All of our listeners, are you guys pranking me? Is this a joke? I must know. I wish it was a prank ride. My life would have been a lot easier the last 24 hours. <laughs> oh, this happened yesterday? Yesterday night, yeah. Well, most importantly, you are now demoted to fourth favorite Crisco. I'm okay with that role. I'm still above the dogs, so I'll take that as a win. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I... Dislike you wholeheartedly, and the dogs are still well below you. Much like the Red Wings, I'm going to finish this season near the basement, but not quite the basement. Henrik's a good-looking kid. He's a really good-looking kid. Looks like his dad. He actually looks like you right now. <laughs> but so did Mika to start And out, she so. now looks like a twin of my wife, so yeah, no. How much did you guys cover Henrik Crisco in previous episodes? I don't want to dive too far into it. Not that much. Enough. Everybody knows, but we didn't get into like great detail. I told myself I wouldn't cry when I met him, and I didn't, which I think is important, and I <laughs> applaud myself. You did um, demand a picture immediately, though. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I realized, I was thinking, um, as I was packing for the cruise, uh, I was thinking about how Henrik was probably going to be born when I was gone, and he was, which was rude. We should talk about that later. Um, <laughs> was he? No, you were still in town when he was born. He's November 1st. Oh, yeah. I was still in town. Yeah, but... it was the day you were leaving, I yes, think, wasn't yes, it? Yes. Yeah. Um, so Henrik was born while I was gone and I was thinking about that and I realized the day I have kids, I'm going to sob like a little girl. I am going to absolutely sob like a small child and it's, it's going to be uncontrollable. Probably. You look like that type of guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, so the Detroit Red Wings took the opportunity while I was gone for a week, uh, to do absolutely everything in their power to make news worthy everything. And we're going to start with the most important thing. The trade was one for one. After the Boston game, it was about 11.30 p.m. or 10. I can't. I don't know what time it was. I don't know where I was in the ocean, but it was like 11.30 p.m. ship time, which can't have been more than half an hour off. Uh, When you sent me the message, which I was sleeping, by the way, rude. Yeah. (laughs) um, 
you sent me the message or sent us the message in the group chat that we had picked up Fabry. I, I snapped to, and that was about quarter to 12. Yeah. So it was about 1130, quarter to 12. Uh, Steve Eisenman traded Jacob Delarose to the St. Louis Blues for Robbie Fabry. Yes. Did you know the RDRW stands for Reclamation Project? <laughs> we are the Detroit Reclamation Project Wings. Hey, you know what? One for two on those so far. Oh, one for one three. For three. Yeah. One for three. Per, the jury's still out on Perlini. It's uh, eh, it's been only been a few games. It's only been a few games. Um, Jonathan Bernier has more points than him and Adam Ernie combined, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. Uh, but Robbie Fabry has more points than Jonathan Bernier, so Jacob he's the savior. My first thought was, this is an absolute steal, right? Like, am I missing something? Is there any other component to this trade that I'm not getting? And I'm again, I'm on Wi-Fi on a ship in the ocean. From what I read, it was kind of a uh, a good gesture by, by St. Louis. By St. Louis, like they couldn't get him into the lineup. There's no point putting a guy like him on their fourth line. And I think he requested a trade in the summer, so it sounds like it was kind of like you know what, we we just can't get you in, and here's your opportunity, and we'll take. I guess Jacob Della Rose. Oh, okay. Okay. If I'm St. Louis, I'm asking for a draft pick instead. Yes. yes. The the part that okay. First, I'm gonna get on a tangent here and just complain about this trade a little bit. Okay. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the trade. Itself. How are you, Evan? You have to deal with this alone for a week. Are you no, no, okay? No, no. I'm not. I'm not complaining. <laughs> this is why about, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> I'm not complaining about the trade. I'm complaining about the trade process because Jacob Della Rose <laughs> with a healthy scratch for that game at the last second after he was projecting the lineup. Stevie knew about this trade by at least 7 p.m. And he waits to drop it on us till 11:30 at night. I think it's processing. A hundred percent, it is. But I don't care. It's rude. <laughs> See, okay, the Red Wings only make trades at the most unholy of hours and the weirdest possible times. I, I feel like I should just be sitting on my phone twitching at, like, Friday night at 11.30 every week just in case. But uh, anyways, for the trade, because it was – I was reading the same thing Evan was. It was a favor to Robbie Fabry. He wanted an opportunity. He kind of lost his spot in the Blues lineup because he did miss a year and a half uh, due to, what was it, ACL injuries? Yeah. He had yeah. two surgeries, I think. Yeah. So uh, – Svechnikov, but worse. Um, I have to stop you. Mm. I didn't do this, and I have to go back and listen to how you guys did this, but this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is sponsored by Labatt Blue. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, celebrate with Labatt Blue and the Detroit Red Wings all season long. Uh, both Fabry trades, Fabry goals, Mantha game winners, and everything in between. Find your specially designed cases of Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light at your local retailer to hashtag Cellion. Uh, Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light, the official Canadian beers of the Detroit Red Wings and of Steve Eiserman's master plan. Brad we- did a Brad did an excellent job. He did he? Yep, that's good. I'm like, I knew you guys would, and I feel bad for not having listened yet. But I've been back in town for all of it. Although someone did comment on how I read off the overtime questions, and this is, I guess they picked out the dad me. They're like, you read the questions like you're reading a story to your kids. <laughs> Like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. It's because you're still fresh to it. I think I started out reading them like that. And then after your, like, 10,000th question, you're just like, oh, boy. <laughs> Inflection? I don't know. Uh, my voice can't handle no. that right now. Um, so, yeah, anyways, it, it was a favor to Robbie Fabry. He's coming back. He only had one goal in nine games with the Blues this year. Mind you, playing a depth role, et cetera, et cetera. When you miss that much time, players replace your spot in the lineup. It happens, and if your team's winning, I mean, the Blues won a cup, you're not going to have an easy way working your way back in. No. Um, and, of course, with that 
serious of a knee injury, much like we've been questioning Evgeny Svechnikov for the last year, are you going to be what you were before? And Robbie Fabry was a 40 to 50 point player before the injury. Will he be that again? He's not big. He can't play a depth role. He's either producing or he's useless to you, if we're being just honest. Um, so he wasn't really producing anything for St. Louis. So for them, it was a low value asset. The reason why I'm I'm actually shocked that Jacob De La Rose was the return and that Detroit was able to pull this off is there – I'm stunned there wasn't a better offer on the table from another team. Like if you're Ottawa, L.A., all of these teams should have made the same gamble. And I would be – because, again, as a Red fan, I would have happily traded more than Jacob De La Rose for Robbie Fabry. I'm happy that's all we did, but I, I would have been comfortable with a bigger deal. <sighs> And I can't even say the entire NHL because I can understand Fabry not wanting to go to a Washington or, uh, I don't know, a Tampa Bay where he knows he's not going to have a prominent role. He's like, I need to go to a team where I'm going to play yeah. to show that I can still play Yeah, because he hasn't had that chance since he's really since he's come back. So I understand everything about the trade except for the fact that how no other team stepped up. Ignoring that fact, because we don't know what happens on the back end. And yeah. by all rights, this could have been Rutherford saying, like, well, the only two teams that really make sense are like Ottawa and Detroit. And Ottawa is not making any moves right now. So, yeah. And maybe, it is. maybe Fabry just said straight up, hey, uh, Detroit's close enough, the closest team to my house that could use me, yeah. my home. Uh, he played with Bertuzzi, the Guelph connection. It, which instantly panned out, which we'll get to. <laughs> yeah. So I, I could see that, like, being his preferred destination i mean it would be a little weird a guy requests a trade and then says trade me here and the gm accommodates if he did doug armstrong is the greatest human being alive did i say armstrong or rutherford i don't know i actually said rutherford i think i meant armstrong um here's the thing about the trade you can love jacob de la rose which you know i good guy fine enough doing what he was doing he actually had some games where i was like oh man he's doing really well in that de la rose helm abdicator line you can be absolutely in love with him as a player, but there's no reasonable way. You can still watch him. He plays for St. Louis plays now. plays for St. Louis. Uh, you can watch him on NHL TV and not get blacked out if you live in Detroit. So there you go. Yeah. Double bonus. Um, you, there's, no, there's no rational, sane person in the world who can look at this trade and say it was a bad trade. You guys know oh, me. Oh, people tried in my mentions. Oh, yes, yes. People tried. You guys know me. I usually... I try to take a measured approach to things and I don't outright call people stupid for having opinions that I disagree with because I, I think that's the stupidest part of, you know, sports fandom. You are dead stupid if you genuinely thought that was a bad trade. If you thought that Jacob De La Rose wasn't worth getting Robbie Fabry, holy, what are you watching? Jacob De La Rose, it's not even like it was low risk, high reward. It was literally by every measure, objectively, subjectively, eye test, analytics, zero risk, high reward. Even if you look at this from a managerial standpoint, an asset management point of view, still zero risk. Because it's not like we invested a second round pick in Jacob De La Rose. Montreal did that. And then Montreal gave him to we us. claimed him free. off the waivers. <laughs> we put nothing into Jacob De La Rose and we got Robbie Fabry, a former first round pick out of it. Uh, by the way, the Red Wings now have three of the first-round picks from the 2014 yeah. NHL draft. Perlini at 12, Larkin at 15, and Fabry at 23. 21, I 21? believe. Yeah. yeah. So, it's somewhere around there. 
Uh, I saw a Boston fan tweet out like Red Wings have all three. How's that working out for them? And we're like, one, we didn't draft all three of them. Two, remember when you guys passed on Connor Barzell and uh, Thomas Shabbat? Like, are we really gonna are we really yeah. gonna bring up three first round picks? And you're yeah. the Boston Bruins, in which we only drafted one. <laughs> what angle is that? Also, bro, you lost. Imagine losing to the worst team in the league. Couldn't be us. I mean that we that can't... top line is absolutely. F- filth oh, yeah. on boston it's but, not it's, but right it's now not. we couldn't imagine losing to the worst team in the league because we don't play ourselves no. hey we're at la now are we we aren't oh, the worst we not the worst <laughs> we don't completely suck uh, yeah but we have two games they have two games in hand oh well spark notes you guys don't need it but just for anybody who wants to know robbie fabry is a player who has had and has a ton of talent uh career outlook through age 23 or careers uh, results through age 23 has been disappointing because of two ACL tears, is it? Surgeries. Two surgeries. I, I don't know if it was just a repair, like to. One fix was the like same. the first game of the year, I think, in his sophomore season. Yeah. Uh, shoulder injury and groin injury, just very injury prone. And then now he couldn't break onto the roster because he plays, he played for the reigning Stanley Cup champions. What so, is, uh, what was his rookie numbers? I think they were really he good. He was, uh, 18 goals in like 70 something games. 18 goals, 19 assists in 72 games. Yeah, it was basically, That's a, good for it was a basically a 40 something point pace. Uh, 11 goals in 51 games his next year. So um, again, pretty close to a 20 goal pace. Uh, St. Louis fan, uh, got in my mentions and was like, how are Red Wings fans thinking that he's he could be a top six player for Detroit when they can't uh when he have can't even crack the lineup in St. Louis. Six forwards? I'm oh, like you man. are you have a weird gross mismeasurement in rosters. You guys have just won the Stanley Cup and Detroit is not good, my friend. It is exactly our, the some of our players' dads are still coming into the room to tie their skates. <laughs> let's let's explain to you what a Darren Helm in your top six feels like. So the idea for this is the basic mantra that Eisenman has never said out loud but exhibited so clearly, which is stop, like 80% of this roster is tied up. Eisenman cannot do anything with those huge anchor contracts. He can't move Nielsen. He can't move Abdulkader. He has to wait for DeKaiser's deal to, to come up, and there's a bunch of defensive contracts coming off. 80% of the, the, the his He's cabinet. working well with what he can work with the other 20 percent. he's doing everything that he damn well can to make as best he can he is stockpiling on cheap young talent reclamation projects short term no long-term commitments low money high talent high upside adam ernie doesn't work out all right rfa you know, uh, here's a million bucks. Perlini's at least been getting chances. He's he's been showing well. Perlini doesn't work out in the end. RFA. If um, Fabry came over and did not do a damn thing, he's an RFA. All of those guys are Perlini and Fabry are 23 years old. Adam or Adam Ernie is 24 years old. Eiserman gave up Jacob De La Rose. I know you guys. I know some of you don't like it. I know some of you are Tillerose fans, which I what think. What do you is, give up, Perlini? Fourth round pick. What uh, do we give? No, Perlini no, was Agulula. Oh yes, that's fourth right. round pick was for oh. Adam Ernie. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, are, you guys don't love this, and some of you are endearingly very in love with Jacob Tillerose. Uh, he is quintessential guy. He is like guy. I said. I'll get you the the TV schedule for the St. Louis Blues. You figure out when he's in the lineup. Fire those games up. We, we still have Jacob De La Rose. His name's Christopher N. I we, we have just, we have a lot of De La Roses. Yeah, yeah, just just tell yourself that we that he just went to the court and changed his name. They're both Swedish. They both got the same color hair. 
They both can skate pretty well, and they both cannot produce offense. They are the same player. And, uh, again, Ryan put it perfectly, quintessential guy. It's They I'm, both went as ghosts for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, the trade happened, and we said... Robbie Fabric could come in, not score a goal, and Eisenman still won this trade, which of course wasn't a necessary thought because in his first damn game as a Red Wing, he scored twice, including the game winner. Yes, yes. both on the power play, both on the power play. The connection power with, play goals. What are those? Oh my! Like the connection with Tyler Bertuzzi is just. They played together with Guelph in the OHL. They won an OHL championship together with Guelph, and remember, Fabry was the driver on that team, not Bertuzzi. Watching them hug. He was like, oh, man, this is actually true brotherly love. Like, that is a great connection to look out for. You know what this means? And uh, you know what? It's worth noting, too. Brendan Perlini was also a minor hockey teammate of Dylan Larkin. So I, I don't know if that's why Eisenman made these moves or if it was just happy coincidences. I think Eisenman's just trying to get as much talent as possible yeah, on his roster. But it's it's it helps the transition when you walk into a new room and see a couple familiar faces. So let's talk about the games. I've I've watched some recaps, but you guys are the ones who actually watch the games. Um, yes, they were fun. I don't know how to feel. Well, not all there of them. There was some not, sadness yeah. topped with some happiness. The first two games were first three games oh yeah you missed the full week i'm just so on cloud nine from the last two games games yeah yeah it was uh painful to see updates on and then watching the recaps was even more painful what was the game before the rangers uh carol they lost to carolina 7-3 yeah we talked about that one one. yeah you were you were here were you here for that one no you weren't here for that one that was bad they lost to florida for nothing that was bad i got to fort lauderdale i we the crews left out of fort lauderdale um and i was like oh the red wings play tonight oh they play florida Mel, they're 20 minutes away. They're literally 20 minutes away from our hotel. We almost went to go watch them. We had a really nice dinner plan. I was like, no, let's go to dinner. She's like, are you sure? I kind of want, like, I want you to go. That seems like it would be fun. I was like, no, trust me. I really don't want to, like, we both love good food. I don't want to ruin a perfectly good dinner. They would not have, you would not have even celebrated a goal. No. I laughed my ass off in the middle of the restaurant. She's like, what? I was like, lost for nothing. She's like, oh, my God. Uh, They lost in Nashville 6-1. Unless you believe in the butterfly. Oh, yeah. The Nashville one was great. Yeah. Unless, uh, yeah, in which case, if you uh, believe in the butterfly effect, they lost because of you. But, oh, yeah. Highly (laughs) highly likely. Uh, And then lost to the Rangers in another Lottery Bowl game. So that was four straight huge losses. Four straight blow losses. The main conversation, one of the episodes you missed, was after the Ranger game or whatever one it was. And we're just like, okay, if they don't fire Blaschel here, it's not happening this season. Because you, you are... Just spent the last two weeks getting absolutely trucked by everybody you played. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing to lose that many games in a row. It's another one to lose all of them by four or more. Well, Pierre Lebrun came out with an article that um, clarified a point that we didn't know about because the NHL has no rules about publicizing coaching contracts, which is the second year of Blaschel's contract is a second year team option. Mm-hmm. So it's not guaranteed the team picks up the option. That would have saved so much anger on the summer podcast. Yeah. Thanks for not releasing that in Detroit. I coaching contracts should be mandated to be released. Coaching GM contracts should all be released by mandate. I, I I'm wholeheartedly about that. I don't imagine with Babcock leaving Detroit and generating all of that money and changing the coaching market, it just has to be out there. Like the amount of speculation and conversation from people in the know. Who had no idea about this. Like, it just casually came out. Everyone's like, what the hell? Anyways, like you said, if it wasn't happening then, it's never happening. And knowing that, and then now knowing the second year con- yeah. pickup, if Eiserman's going to get rid of Blashley, he's not doing it in the middle of the season. No. There's no, no point. That was, that was my big 
signal that, yeah, no, Eisman's planning on riding him. It, it, it has to go spectacularly off the rails. We have to lose for like a month. Yeah, he yeah. did like that for them to get rid of him because that was maybe the worst stretch of hockey we've ever seen the Red Wings play yeah. in our lifetimes, like legitimately. Also, I missed some good games. Yeah, but then the Red Wings actually did play two. Well, one very good game against Boston, and then uh, a snooze fest against Vegas with an amazing finish. Oh man, the Vegas like the first. Let's talk about Vegas first because it's just fresh in our minds. That game, nothing happened for the first fifty minutes. By the end of the second period, the shots were ten nine. Forty minutes of hockey, nineteen shots on net. Total 19 is like you could argue a low number for one team through two periods. Yeah. It's because that's not even a 30 shot pace. If you're Vegas, you want and you had 19 through two periods, like that's fine. But against Detroit, you should have more. And there was 19 between two teams. It was the like, I I think I sent a sarcastic tweet around then. Like, imagine paying money. Was Vegas on a back to back? Yes. They were. That might be why. Uh, Detroit wasn't. Dylan Larkin. Oh, boy. Dylan Larkin missed an open net because the puck skipped and then missed the net on a breakaway. Just wasn't his game. But Athanasiu stayed hot, scored on the power play. Again, we're allowed to score on the power play. One for two tonight. We're allowed to score on the power play. Wow. I want to check something, and I I actually don't fully know how to fact check this because I don't know where the stat would be kept. I'm pretty sure that's the first power play goal the second unit might have scored this season. Quite possibly. I like it. They might have got one in one of the games I didn't watch, but I know for a fact every game I've watched, they haven't. Because um, I've been paying attention for it. Madison Bowie had an absolutely atrocious game. He was getting burned and walked and absolutely dummied left, right, and center. And then scored a goal while being tripped while falling down to tie the game for Detroit. Was, like You could argue... Subban should not have let that in. Subban should have had it, but two things in Subban's defense here. He's not expecting a shot coming from Bowie in that position. Bowie's literally almost on the ice when he lets that thing go. Yeah. So definitely Subban gets a, a pass on the element of surprise there. And B, that thing went off the post and in. It's not like that thing went a foot inside the post. Like Bowie put that in the perfect spot. So I would still make the argument Subban should have had it, but it's understandable why he didn't. Fun fact about uh, Malcolm Subban, uh, 4-0 in shootouts in his life, 16 for 16 on saves. He's never allowed a shootout goal. His brother is P.K. Subban. No, shut up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, with like, what, 30, a minute and a half left in the game or something like that? Fabry. No, 30 seconds left yeah. in the game. Fabry with a ballsy cross ice pass that Blasio would have wrung his neck for had it not worked. Robbie, goddamn Fabry. Oh, I want Detroit to make more. I like risky plays because they work sometimes like this. Picks up the puck on the board, avoids the defender. It's on the left side of boards. Saucer passes it across the ice, up the ice, off the boards to Mantha. It was a great send. Mantha readjusted to catch the pass, burned the defender. Uh, he had a defender on him, right? He well, he had a guy chasing him, but he wasn't. The guy wasn't catching. I Mantha. can't. I was just too fixated on Mantha. Rips down, tucks it in under Subban's arm. Subban Dagger. gave him nothing to look no. at. Dagger game winner. Anthony Mantha should get the keys to the city. End of story. Second time this season, Mantha scored the game winner in regulation with less than a minute left. Uh, currently on a 47 goal pace. Thank you. Fantasy. 11 and 19. 11 and 19. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that Ooh. was in a thrilling last 10 minutes of the game. Game before against Boston. Um, Power play was so easy. It was Fabrizi. 
Oh man, I had the the Boston feed for that game. Me too. It was bad. Oh, there's a lot of torture I would take than have to listen to that again. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, because oh. we're in a Canadian market watching the Red Wings. If that uh, if the game is being broadcast nationally in Canada, which that one was. We don't get to pick a feed. No, we get Man. whatever one Sportsnet was carrying. They, they got some. Camp- they got some sunglasses on when they watch those games. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Uh, <sighs> Dylan Larkin obviously opened up scoring. Then Robbie Fabry scored two goals, both on the power play, both straight from Bertuzzi, um, both on the same play essentially. Yeah, identical goals. And then Anthony Mantha contributed, or Boston contributed to the Anthony Mantha 40-goal fund with uh, by giving him an empty netter. Well, Mantha's most impressive play that game was actually the his secondary assist on Fabry's first goal because he had a beautiful cross-ice pass from the far point to the far corner where he hit Bertuzzi in stride in a saucer pass. And those are the type of passes that open up the defense that allow Arabi Fabry to creep into the slot uncovered. Uh, so Detroit loses big to Ottawa and New York and beats Boston and Vegas. As expected. As expected. Boston did not look very good other no. than their first line that game. And even Brad the- Marchand was up to his usual antics. So you knew they weren't probably they probably weren't going to win that game. Philip Rona got to live everybody's dream. He got to punch Brad Marchand. He got a couple good ones right in the kidneys. Good yeah. For, good for Hrona. Body shots. Very underutilized in hockey fights. Yeah. There should be more of those because those are devastating. When a guy's trying to punch out. Like, why stop punching helmets? Hurts. Yeah. Yeah, just punch him right in the kidneys. <laughs> um, Pasternak is f- the nastiest oh player in the NHL right is, now. Absolutely. He's he gross. can do whatever he wants when he wants. Except beat the Red Wings. Well, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so we will play again pretty yeah. soon. Maybe he didn't want to. Uh, the Red Wings are still 30th in the league. LA is behind them at 31st, but they do have two games in hand, and they're only two points back. So Red Wings still firmly in the lottery division. We're just looking to get 82 games wrapped up before Christmas and just call it. If you could, if we could, that'd be great. Yep. Lafreniere and Byfield and Raymond and Holtz all looking so good. We we had to squeeze in a bit of coverage in them last episode just to give reason Red Wings fans at that point a reason to smile. First week in November, talking about prospects. That's you know, how you know where your season's at. Someone actually asked. Um, they sent a message to me. And they're like, can you please start doing your prospect profile soon? We need every angle covered. Uh, if you guys want us to start soon, I mean. <laughs> we have it. I, I don't mind starting now, except for the fact that we don't have a lot of sample size on these guys this season. Like they, of- they played for like a month and change. A lot of the work that would need to be done, we'd have to do essentially a lot of the manual work that scouts would be doing on their own. It's yeah. like we would love to do that for you guys, and like we could probably do reasonably well. But we, Brad, just had a baby. Evan's going on vacation. Yeah, and I'm not typing anything. Yeah, for I'm a bit. painting a whole house. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm uh, very limited for the next two weeks at least, and then probably longer. <laughs> Because you dislocated your shoulder like an idiot. I really hope it doesn't require surgery. Uh, oh, I will laugh at you so hard if it does. Yeah, I don't know if I actually hope or not. Because like a surgery would be a definitive fix. Yeah. The the actual process would suck. But then like there probably won't be too many lingering issues. I want to talk a little bit more about the trade. So I had a couple conversations. And you know what? These are genuine conversations that I think are worth bringing up. Um, from some people who are frustrated with the trade. Not because they thought Jacob Delarose worth keeping over Robbie Fabry, um, they were saying, well, why are we bringing up, bringing in Fabry? And now he's obviously going to get top six minutes when players like Zadina and Valeno are still in the minors and Rasmussen is still down there. Oh, no, we covered this last episode. Oh, did you? Accidentally oh, before the trade. Oh, accidentally before the get trade. Get up yeah. to speed, please. Well, 
long story short for those people, because I know we had a lot of conversations about that, You, this team isn't just bad. This team is, they're not on pace to even reach, like, our low-end projections when I projected them to come 31st in the league bad. Like, they were, what was it, like a 60-point pace on the year? Like, not good. That won't do it. No. So, there's all, there's this contingent of people who are just angry about Zadina. They're like, if he's not in the league yet, like, what are we doing with him? I'm like, he's like 20 years people old. People are angry about everything. Yeah, so it's, I was talking to Mel about it, and she's like, why? I was kind of trying to explain the conversation, because I had my head buried in it, and I was like, looked annoyed. And she's like, why are people like that? I'm like, some people just want to be angry about something at all times. When, yeah, no people way. immediately jump to just complaining cool. and criticism. Yeah, just go out, get a life, and get valid reasons to be angry about things. Yeah. That's like taxes. Taxes. Taxes are kind of easy. They essentially do the whole thing for you. I could probably do like a 45-minute thing on hospital wait times today if you want. You've been talking a lot about hospital wait times, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. Brad's anti-government right now. I would – dude, I went to small town hospital to actually like see if my shoulder needed to be set back in place. I'm the only person in the building. I go into a walk-in clinic this morning just to get my x-rays done. Three hours. They had horses turning the turbines to create power for the hospital. Yeah. Oh, well, the reason I had to go get my x-rays because the hospital I was in in King Garden uh, didn't actually have an x-ray tech in the building. There's a shocker. <laughs> uh, so the things have been going well in the AHL. Uh, Zadina's on a little bit of a point, on a little bit of a tear. Four goals in six games. That's uh, why you don't bring them up to the NHL on a whim. Let them develop and contain that momentum michael rasmussen's back in the lineup for the griffins uh, eight points eight points in nine games uh moritz cider is still doing great for for them still working on his game still developing seven assists in 14 games for him and 11 bodies and 11 bodies yeah he's he's got a body count going he's been dummying some guys down there and if you guys don't think that that's valuable you don't understand how nhl players progress not every player is crosby not every player is Ovechkin. Not every player is McDavid. Statistically. Also, what does that make him? A half point player as a defenseman in their first year in the AHL? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, geez, it's so rare. That's great. There's so few 18-year-old defensemen in the AHL to begin with. Yeah. Half a point pace is phenomenal. Um, a lot of secondary assists, so not that we're going to get like too, too high. but Points are points. Points are points. I think people just don't understand where their favorite players came from. If you think the AHL is not valuable, I want to think of your three favorite players in this current era, I don't want to talk about you know way Sydney back when. Sidney Crosby, Dylan oh. Larkin, Alexander Ovechkin. I don't miss. You. I did not miss you guys at all. Victor Hedman. <laughs> Look up where they played before the NHL. I guarantee you they played NCAA hockey or um, in the AHL. Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes, R- Rasmus Dahlin. I loathe you guys. I actually, <laughs> you're not. Good people, you know that, right? <laughs> Quinn Hughes played in the A, did he not? He did not. <laughs> God, oh, but he played in the NCAA. Yeah, he played in the NCAA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was was drafted and went right to the NHL. Not, not. No, all he, had, he had a year after. I'm, t- I'm. Oh. Don't pick. Yeah, that's right. Don't pick Capo cream Capo. of the crop. Stop it. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> don't Kenny pick Malcolm. cream of the crop. Actually, played in the AHL, believe it or not. Did he really? No, of course no, not. He of course not. He defected he had, from Russia not to play in the seven AHL. points a game. Yeah. Jack Eichel. <laughs> I'm so tired. Ryan O'Reilly? 
Maybe. Well, let's look him up. Uh, <laughs> right. Ryan, Any uh, potential. Ryan. Yeah. Well, if it's not like from the, they were an overager in the O or whatever it was, like they probably played some kind of. Oh, yeah. He went right from the O to the Colorado Avalanche. Well, weren't they, were they really bad at that time? He was a second round pick and went straight to the NHL. They must have been. <laughs> he had a year where he went to the Cage How about this? Lockout. Patrick Hornquist. Okay, Patrick Hornquist. If he didn't play in the AHL, your point is completely invalid. Yeah, you know what? That's fair enough. Patrick Hornquist. He was the last overall pick in a No, draft. but he's Swedish. What does that mean? He played in Europe. More Siders Until German. how old? And he plays in the AHL right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Milwaukee Admirals. Boom. For yeah. how many games? How many games? 49. That's okay, that's enough. Okay. That's enough. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Fine, Look, we'll accept. Any player who's not a premier prospect has some kind of development time, whether it's staying in their junior in the juniors after they're drafted or playing in Europe or playing in the AHL or the NCAA. It's so common. So many players that you love that end up being fantastic NHL players, A, take a long time to develop, or B, play some kind of non-NHL professional what, it, hockey. You know, it would be great to have Philip Zidina on this team scoring 30-plus goals, but... We're, we're probably almost in the exact same place we are right now. The Red Wings could hardly get someone to give Andreas Athens to see you the puck. You think they're going to foster success for Philip Zadina right now? You, you want to take the really absurd, obscure, glass-half-full view here? If Philip Zadina was on the Red Wings and Philip Zadina was doing well this year, we wouldn't have Robbie Fabry right now. Bam. Because boom, they, that because Zadina would have filled that gaping hole we had in the top six on the wing, and instead we got Fabry to fill it. If we end up having like Fabry insert any center here and Perlini, you know, both of them producing at like a twenty goal pace on our third line, that could be phenomenal. Even even yeah. away from what Fabry has been doing himself and bringing to his own line, he's the reason the top line reunited. Yeah, because they put him with Philip and Athanasiu, and they did well. That's the nice thing about bringing in competent pieces that allows you to set the table for the ones you know that works, and it can take some pressure off that line. And all of a sudden, the third line is Perlini, Ernie, Nielsen. Not good, but not tragic. No, Abdulkader free. Yep, that was my like that was legitimately my first thought after everything settled with Fabry was this now opens up another opportunity to test out. This new player with Athanasiu and whatever one of Neil's. It's weird how when you have skilled players, you can like try and find chemistry and things, effective lines. People keep forgetting that. Uh, Bring up Zadina. Man, he's very clearly demonstrated that he's not a player that's going to generate his own success because that is exceedingly rare. Stop watching a lot Elias Pettersson and imagining that everyone's going to be him. He's on a heater in the AHL. Why would you bring him up? Instead, bring up Robbie Fabry, who has something to prove, a boatload of talent, and comes at no risk. There's just no way to hate So the it. next target Steve Eiserman should have on the Reclamation Project project. Pull your RV. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, Ken Holland's not giving him up for cheap. Although he might have to at some point. They no. still look at him like a fourth overall pick, right? Yeah, and he's, he's I think, top five in that, in scoring in that league right now. So yeah, he looks sick. He's, he's playing well right now. So Holland knows... If he ain't playing for us, he's going to be valuable to someone. And I'm not sold he will be, but we he need another- likely will be. So next, we're on to the next person who's underperforming. Yeah, who else can we just look around the NHL and look for the, the island of misfit toys? Well, something I want to bring up. We've been talking about Fabry for some time. We, we have? We, 
Yes, he. We constantly br- have brought up Robbie Fabry as a target. I think when they were in the playoffs last year, we brought him up a, a few times, yeah. saying it's crazy he's not in their lineup. Yeah, and before all of his crazy injuries, we always talked about Fabry as a guy to target, maybe even in exchange for, you know, uh, a high end piece or a higher pick in the past, because that's what he would have been worth. The fact that Eisman. Ping like signal down on that and pick that up at when his stock was at its lowest is exactly what you want to see from a GM. Again, this isn't which is the main reason Athens 2 hasn't been traded. Don't trade away talent for no for no reason. <laughs> Especially when they're down. You know, it's funny that the chorus of trade Athens CU for nothing trades or tweets have uh, kind of gone away, eh? Uh- <laughs> Buddy, just you know that uh tweet I sent today about Athens CU heating up question mark? It was all trade him responses. <laughs> His stock is high. Sell high. Sell high. Oh, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying no under no circumstance trade him. No, there's a lot of circumstances. Every man's got their price. Yeah, trade Athens to see you, but don't dump him. I'll trade Robbie Fabry for a first round pick right now. I mean, how many first round picks? Let's not get ridiculous. At top top 15 projected team at least. Uh, so the Red Wings have Anaheim coming up. And LA after Anaheim coming up, that'll be the last. Oh, one the, to- the another round of the toilet bowl. Yeah, it's it's their West Coast road swing, so they'll have Anaheim Ooh. before our next podcast, and then LA Thursday at ten thirty, San Jose Saturday at ten thirty. So by the li- the likelihood of things lately, we're gonna win one of those games. We're going to one team is good. Yeah, we're gonna beat Anaheim, and we're gonna get clowned by LA. This you know, is how this is gonna go. Yeah. Evan, I think you tweeted out after the Rangers I tweeted loss. out our next games, and of course we're just spanking teams. Two and zero. Yeah. yeah. Who, yeah, Anaheim's the next one. Anaheim. We're going to win that one, and that tweet's going to age beautifully. Lose to LA, lose to San Jose, and OT or something like yeah. that. I would yeah. rather beat Anaheim and lose to those teams <laughs> to bring their points up in the standings. Hey, look, man, if you're going to beat Boston and then Vegas in back-to-back games, like you do whatever you want the next week. You've earned it. The, the, the one thing I wanted to bring up very quickly was um, uh, in the Boston game, and thank you know, Robbie Fabry coming in the lineup. This, this helps us you know, kind of put people in their spot in the lineup i actually thought darren helm played really well uh, on the third and fourth line right yes yeah uh, against boston i thought he had maybe one of his best games of the year so far it's amazing how good he looks when he's playing a role suited for him no it's, yes it's, he was he was skating really well he was getting the pucks in deep which oh god i hate that i just pucks in deep bang, yeah. banging bodies <laughs> yeah pucks on net you know everybody's buzzing out there um i thought he was really good along the boards and uh that's exactly the game that he's suited to, and I thought he played really well. Like I know Blashill's line blender will be out in full force at some point oh, in the yeah. next week or two, but the fact that you can actually, not that they're good scoring lines, but the Red Wings are actually employing three attempted scoring lines right now is so refreshing because we're not seeing a Helm or an Abdulkader or a Glendenning who's hurt or whoever bumping up to the second or third line for balance. Ernie, Nielsen, and Perlini is the third line, and those are all guys who, in theory, should be able to produce offense. Uh, for all of them who have zero points on the season, <laughs> zero it's, points between it's not happening. Playmaker least, Jonathan Bernier. <laughs> but at least they're attempting it, and that's the point. Franz Nielsen, Adam Ernie, Christopher N., Trevor Daly, Brendan Perlini, Alex Biega, and Dylan McElrath. Well, McElrath gets a kind of a pass. Three games. Biega has five games, so whatever. All of those guys have one thing in common, and it's that 
They have two fewer points than Jonathan Bernier, who has two points. <laughs> is Jonathan Bernier our starting goaltender for going forward from it, now on? Yeah, he, like, it was interesting. He played because he played Boston, right? He had a, that filthy save on. Oh Pastor yeah, Act. yeah, he did. That's right. So he just played back to back games against two of the top teams in the league with a day of rest in between. So that is very much worth noting. Yeah. Everyone's forgetting. Last year, the Detroit at times had anomalously good goaltending. Uh, I love Jimmy Howard. You know, I like what Jonathan Bernie have done, but neither of them are fin- like phenomenal goaltenders at this stage in their career. Jimmy Howard at this point has just been battered and beaten emotionally. Yeah, that guy's physically. got shell shock for sure. The regression back to the mean this year has been demonstrated because the Red Wings have not been bailed out of games that had no business being in, which oh, is how they got. That's some of the where all the season. one goal games yeah. have now disappeared. Jimmy Howard, I think. Did, oh yeah, it was while you're gone. Jimmy Howard got pulled in back-to-back games, and all of a sudden Bernie is getting back-to-back starts. You can't tell me that's a coincidence. No, it's not. Bernier will be the starter for now until he does the exact same thing, and then Howard comes in, and it's just when you have two subpar goaltenders, it is what it is. Like it's and just it's, gonna keep happening. It's really funny. It's I guess not funny, but it, it's really interesting because we played te- where the the games where Jimmy was in, the other team was superiorly better than the Red Wings, and it yeah. showed on the scoreboard in the entire game. But when Bernier was in the net, I I don't know about the game tonight because I didn't see it, but against Boston, we were definitely the better team than them um so you know maybe it's not a fair shake you know if boston came out well rested we could be having a different conversation but yeah the stats don't lie and the analytics on howard and bernie this year are not good they're they're both near the bottom of the league uh jimmy almost in the basement bernie uh above him but not there's very few goalies who can be on a bad team and bail them out like a a gibson last year kind of thing a lot of their lack of success is obviously due to the team in front of them but even when you go into the expected goals for they're not doing great but i i personally felt bernie's played pretty well this year no yeah he's good for his one stinker a game like that's just who Jonathan Bernier is. Like he's yeah. he's never gonna get you the goose egg. But Remember the Leafs brought him in thinking he was gonna be their starting goaltender. Oh he was a very high. He was a highly rated goal because he was twelfth overall pick, wasn't he? He was uh basically the backup who just couldn't get his starting role because of Jonathan Quick. He was yeah. buried behind Quick in Quick's prime. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, again, and the Leafs, when they got them where we are now, they were terrible. Yep. You guys can't hear, or you might be picking it up. It's Brad's new baby, Henrik, who's crying, which is rude. He has not learned when podcasts are happening. You're not not supposed to cry on the podcast. It's the first rule. He wanted to make his WWP debut. Although, if either one of you punched me in the shoulder right now, I am breaking that rule. (laughs) (laughs) No one has ever cried on this podcast, eh? Yeah, no, but like, there's a high risk. I could sneeze right now and, and pop this thing out and start crying. So promise, uh, maybe actually. <laughs> so I have so I have an emoji pack in my pocket. Um, we'll get into overtime soon. Some news from around the league. Seattle's releasing their name before the All Star game. That's a lot. The fun. bitch penguin, bitch pigeons. The pit to the bitch penguins. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, hold on someone give me Mario Lemieux's number we have something to discuss (laughs) what are the trademarks around bitch penguins (laughs) oh so I was listening to 31 Thoughts and uh, Merrick brought something up which I started laughing my ass off on the plane because I knew you guys would hate this Uh, the lacrosse school oh god yes no we talked about it at length (laughs) yeah we did actually yeah 
it he was doing it just for the sake of conversation. He was. He's he's he's, he's a the, great host. He's in the same boat as us. He's pro fun, but I guess people were talking about that that it shouldn't count. Which screw all oh God, those people. D- please shut up. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm, I, we're not, we're we also talked about, about the Kachuk goal. Did you have any passing? I have. I that? have not had a chance to see it's it. It's the yet. filthiest what? thing you've ever seen. Oh, oh, oh! The uh, between the, the legs, legs one team, the slot, yes, over time. I saw that. I saw that game winner. Better than the Svechnikov. F- yes, Svechnikov yeah, I think goals. we came okay. to that agreement. Yeah, uh, but in my opinion, still behind the Blake Coleman goal. Yeah, oh, I I think that's the goal of the year. I think so too. How do you beat that? I've completely changed my opinion. I think Kachuk's goal is the best goal. Yeah, year. if you take out context, cert- context because his is overtime probably gives him the edge. But if we're just looking at objective difficulty of the goal. I think it's Coleman still. Um, I don't even have the wrist strength to be able to put a one. You in might the top soon. <laughs> oh, dude, my left hand. Oh, it had to be my right arm too. It just had to be uh, a bunch of righties. <laughs> I had to fill out a guys. form at the clinic today. What with your left hand? That that poor nurse who had to process that. <laughs> we're we're gonna get into overtime, which for this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast oh, is. Oh. Oh, you're you think you're skipping uh, by? I knew it. I knew no, it. No, Ryan, you're not skipping by it. We're getting political. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's not even political. It's not political. No, it's not. It's not political, and it could be. We could make it. No, <laughs> In, intro it. So intro it, so I can take this away, please. Okay. Uh, Don Cherry uh, said racist things because it's Don Cherry. Ryan, take it away. For those of you who don't know, uh, I'm the child of immigrants. Um, we couldn't tell. I'm, well, my tan right now probably gives it away. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, born in Canada. My family immigrated from Iraq with my older brother. Um, we're Chaldean. Uh, they were basically fleeing persecution and war. I'm fucking tired of people. I'm just fucking. I'm just. I'm just tired. That's it. I'm just tired of people. I'm just tired of people. You know, I don't give a shit what side of the political spectrum you fall on. I I don't care what your beliefs are about poppies, which I don't think anyone in the world is anti poppies for Remembrance Day. Whoever said that? Stop blaming everything that you could possibly be angry about, angry about, and finding things to be angry about and blaming it on people with different color skin. It is very out of touch. They, the problem. I think they've let Don Cherry fall out of the scope of what it originally was for. Yeah, and it was you know supposed to like talk about things going on in the hockey world and uh, and Don Cherry fighting the Russians. Um, and you know I I want to apologize, but now it's kind of just old man yells at cloud, and uh, I think. I don't know if that's CBC just trying to keep him because they want people to tune in. Or I don't know what the reason is for letting it fall out of scope, but um, yeah, regardless of how you feel about anything in of the political world or or anything, it's it's not even about that. It's about remembering the people who who sacrificed their lives to allow people to have these freedoms. It's it's not about left right or anything. Um, so it's it's very poorly timed and very distasteful. And a lot of people are giving Ron McLean a lot of flack for that. Because uh, he just kind of sat there and, like, I think we know him kind of. And he kind of gets dragged through Don's shit a lot. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know what, it's... Who uh, who are we to say we what we would do in that place? In his Ron place? McLean, before, as we were recording and this the episode... the first thing Ron McLean did on Hometown Hockey Tonight was yeah. apologize for Don Cherry and for not 
you know, saying anything when he should have. And if there's anyone I believe on TV who who says apologies, it's him because he is he is all about diversity and and freedoms and whatnot. He did not. He also did this important thing. He did not apologize if he offended anyone or for anyone who may have been offended. He apologized for what happened. It was a straight yeah. up apology. Yeah. You know what? We we had the privilege of interviewing Ron McLean and we had conversation with him off the air as well. I I understand where people were coming from, but that's not who Ron McLean is. No. Well, on that note, let's lighten things up and head over to Overtime, which, of course, is brought to you by Motor City Garages. They're a family-owned and operated uh, company servicing Metro Detroit. Uh, They do garage flooring, cabinets, overhead racks, wall storage, uh, fleecing other teams for high-level talents with zero risk, and car lifts. Enough of the messy garages everyone is sick of walking through. It's time to turn it into something useful. Whether you like to work on your car or if you'd like an organized space, we have you covered. 3D designs and lifetime warranty. Motor City Garages Park in Style. We're going to start off with Patreon, where our patrons were excited. Whoa, 28 today. Uh, Matt Cheney, who uh, corrected me on how to pronounce his name. It's Cheney. So Matt Cheney says, uh, Eisenman traded a bottom six forward for a 2014 first round pick that used to play with Burt. This is some five, five head 4D chess. My question is, is this what it feels like to have Steve Eisenman as a GM? I'm like Neo. I'm beginning to believe we'll get out of the bottom. That's ex- this is exactly what it's like to have Steve Eisman as a GM. You guys think he turned Tampa Bay into Tampa Bay overnight? No. Stuff like this is exactly how it started. Uh, Austin Trotman says, if you could pick any player uh, who you who you would like to see reunited with a former uh, junior slash college teammate, who would it be? I'm assuming it has to be a Red Wing. Mm, maybe. Dylan Larkin's rights are owned by the Erie Otters. I would like to see him reunited with Connor McDavid. That's the only answer. <laughs> and I'm very impressed that you know that. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Dylan Larkin and Kyle Connor? Quinn they Hughes? together Quinn in Hughes. Michigan? Did Quinn Hughes have not nah, well, Oh, Connor, they didn't no. overlap. But maybe they could have. So we'll say Dylan Larkin and Quinn Hughes. Trying to think. Uh, too bad Marty Furk wasn't still on the team. Love to see him reunited with Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, it would have been okay. <laughs> Joshua Bazura says, hey, boys, I'm sure everyone's already gushing over the Fabry trade. But one thing I really love uh, about what I saw Friday night is that I think with having him in a shooting position in the slot, teams will eventually be slightly more uh, wary about covering Mantha. I think he might be able to improve the power play a lot just because we'll have more than one consistent shooting position opening up. When you have more. different aspects to your power play, you can get more opportunities. Anyways, let's assume we get Krug next season and have something nice to think about. Would you pair him with Hronik to have an actual top pair? Keep Hronik with DeKaiser, put Krug with Cholosky. Personally, I'd pair Hronik with Krug and then get crazy out uh, with DeKaiser and Sider and then Nemeth and Cholosky on the third. I think they'd complement each other well. Take it easy and keep up the good work, boys. I, just, I took a quick dive into Boston's subreddit. If yeah. they lose Tory Krug, that city will burn. <laughs> They might let him walk. They might not want to pay him what he'll get on the open market. I wasn't fully sold on uh, offering all the money in the world to Tory Krug, but if Boston's going to burn, offer him double. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got five bucks right now. That's $15 million. We will start the GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. I would like one Tory um, Krug. Tory Krug, I, I would love to see Krug Kronik. I think you want to put your best players eating up the most ice time. It's not like the Red Wings have uh, depth on defense, so you don't. Just go all out offense, crew Kronik, and then go all out on defense, Nemeth Cider. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm here for it. Uh, Harun Khan says, hey, guys, what do you think uh, would be a good trade to ship Abdulkader or Nielsen out? 
and anything. Uh, conditional seventh, and that condition is that Justin Ablocator scores a goal on the moon for his new team. Both of them are slowly diminishing the little value they do have left, so why not trade them now? What'd Who is get? the other one other than Ablocator? Nielsen. Nielsen. Uh, they, they quite literally have zero trade value. They have negative trade value. The only way you're trading them is if you give up a sweetener. So you get a conditional seventh where the condition... You get air quotations, get a conditional seventh, in which case the condition would never be met, and you also send them... Uh, half decent prospect or a pick. Kyle Dubas had to give away a first round pick to trade away one year Patty Marlowe. So imagine what it would cost to get rid of what four years of Justin Abdelkader? Um, four years of Justin Abdelkader, three years of Franz Nielsen. Come on, is that including lo- this season? That's including this. Season. Uh, that helps. Well, if we get a lockout, maybe we get two compliance buyouts. Well, no, but they're playing out the entire the um, CBA. What? Abdo- yeah, remember oh, yeah. the extension? Yeah. Um, they're, nobody's untradeable. We saw that with Milan Lucic, but it'll be exceedingly difficult with them. At least Milan Lucic has one aspect of his game a team might find enticing. Yeah, he sucker punches people. It wasn't a sucker punch, Ryan. Brad and I discussed this already. That, that got into a lengthy topic. I probably look like Don Cherry now. <laughs> Kalen Wood says, hey guys. Look at me, Don. <laughs> look at me. I'm Don Cherry now. <laughs> haven't, haven't had a chance to congratulate Brad on the new bundle of joy, so congrats Thank on you. losing more money and sleep. Uh, I'll be buying video games and sleeping till noon. I don't really have any question, but do want to just send some good vibes to Detroit. They're definitely under a metric crap ton of scrutiny from fans and the league alike. Just want to remind everyone that if you are listening to this podcast, you are a fan first and foremost. Let's remember why we're here. It's a dang marriage. Speaking of which, Ryan, Evan, eh, yeah, well. if you think about how good this will feel when we're a competitive <laughs> team again and we're we're contending for cups the pain will all be worth it in that win will feel so much better he was also asking when you're going to propose next question uh <laughs> through the good and bad we got to be here for them that's all for now wait for was that my work. girlfriend who wrote that comment who was that uh it was one uh mystery cat yeah not six nine six nine <laughs> not not catherine <laughs> evan beckner says cider is on a mission to physically destroy the ahl i know i commented on his physical play last week but he stepped it up even more i still argue he's the number one prospect dude is a force um yeah you love to see that side of his game because that'll be exciting once he brings us to the nhl Garrett TV says, sup hockey amigos. Want to give Brad some love for calling out again last episode of Blashill's ineffective system strategies that remain in use despite consistently failing for his entire tenure. Stationary wingers at the blue line targeted by aimless clappers from our D is totally useless and the lack of movement that results in chip and chase hockey is truly making my eyeballs bleed. And I think this strategy is having a resulting impact how we approach our own positioning defensively uh, as well as approaching for checking is that a reasonable assumption it feels like we're stuck having too much reliance on individual efforts making up for systemic failures and that's problematic you don't need a good roster to move away from this it's just a lack of awareness of what systems work in today's nhl despite the nice boston win the blast system is still failing us leaving me torn because as much as i want it gone it's really helping our lafreniere odds let's go red wings yeah you don't see too much deviance uh, from Blash's set systems. We have seen a little bit more this year. Uh, he's trying some different things, but essentially the only players who are trying those are the players with the skill to accomplish them. Um, so one line. Yeah. Maybe too soon. I hate the chip in and then chase it around. I hate the stationary winger. It's just such an easy, predictable breakout to to tackle, and the zone entries are also easy to beat, but they are, I think, doing better in both departments this year. It's also when you have that winger, stationary winger down there, it handcuffs the defenseman because you just gave a, gave uh, one less breakout option for them to pass to. Adam Flett says, good evening, gents. 
Gent? Just Evan? Uh, can you think of any other 2014, 2015 first round rescue projects we sh- could or should target? Oh, God. Hold, talk a little slower give so I can minute. pull the draft up. Give and me what would you we go, have to you give go up? 20... What draft was it? 2014. And 2015. So yeah. you go. I'll do 2014. Okay, I'll go 2015 and I'll find a reclamation project. Uh, we'll come back to it. Sean uh, Chiaver- Chivarella? Chivarella? I'm sorry, man. I nailed it last time and he commented on it. Chiaverella? Chevrolet. Chevrolet. Damn it. Uh, hey, guys. So we're finally seeing Eisenman's Jedi mind tricks at work. Awesome trading for Fabry. With Ronick telling Brad the rat Marchand how he felt about him with his fists, are we going to see him step up into more of a leadership role in this team? With the vets being phased out once Green is gone, will be will he be the next defenseman with a letter or will it be DeKaiser? Uh, if Blashill's the coach, it will definitely not be Hironic. I can tell you that. <laughs> it will absolutely be DeKaiser. Um, Josh Hosang. Josh Hosang. Oh, Boom. Yeah. There it is. 20. I'm actually surprised we didn't claim him on waivers, but old boys club. Hasn't he gone through waivers twice now? Or maybe just uh, once? N- uh, at least once. Uh, yeah, Josh. Uh, Everett, our favorite Everett, is, says, now that Ryan is back, it's time for everyone's least favorite game, the revisionist wrangle. Ryan, you're the judge, which means Brad and Evan are set to square off. In 2012, the Detroit Red Wings traded a first-round pick to the Tampa Bay Lightning for defenseman Kyle Quincy. That first-round pick would eventually become Andre Vasilevsky. In 2015, the Detroit Red Wings traded Matthias Backman, Matthias Yanmark, and a second in the upcoming draft for forward Eric Cole and a conditional third that would never end up being applicable. That second round pick would eventually become Rupe Rupe Hintz. Which of these two trades, if prevented, would have been better for Detroit moving forward, assuming that the Red Wings would have selected the same player that Tampa or Dallas selected? Not doing that trade? Not doing that trade. So one of you picks the Vasilevsky trade and one of you picks the Hintz trade. I uh, dibs on Vasilevsky. <laughs> That's a toss. <laughs> I can't up. even defend the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trading all that for Eric Cole. Oh, this is for you guys, actually. Uh, yeah, Kyle Quincy. Oh, real bad. Andre Vasilevsky, arguably best goalie in the league. Evan, go. Uh, <laughs> Eric Cole has no back. Uh, Rupe Hins puts the team on his back. Uh, better pun, but literally Vasilevsky might. Be yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't going to overthink this one. <laughs> See, that didn't work for me, but Brad gets a toss up. Anyway, Spencer Post says, Hey guys, you haven't heard from me in a long time. And no, it's not because I'm jaded about the Central Division preview. I just figured I'd give your voices all a break. Today, I swear I'm keeping this short and sweet. If the Detroit Red Wings end up with the first overall pick, should there be a real conversation about taking Quinton Byfield over Alexi? I look at the center depth, and it's really Larkin and Valeno as the guys of the future. Maybe Christopher N is your 3C, and Stevie Y uh, gives Luke Glendening a lifetime contract to be 4C. Seriously, though, at this point, it looks like Lafreniere will be a Marion Hosa two-way winger type and would probably immediately play Detroit's top six. But to me, Byfield looks like Evgeny Malkin, but way faster. And like I said, I like Valeno, but liking Valeno shouldn't stop anyone in the Wings front office from taking Byfield if they think he's the better fit. So I'm asking you two slash three to debate it amongst yourselves. Who would you prefer they take at first overall? Lafreniere. Lafreniere. Lafreniere, you always take talent, but it this, is fair that you should bring up the conversation. It absolutely needs to be a real conversation, but as soon as you start drafting for need, you make mistakes. Um, Byfield is for sh- has the body and the skill to play in the NHL next season. Yeah, but Byfield, so does Lafreniere, because don't yeah. forget, Lafreniere oh, yeah. is a late birthday. He's... He's already 18 years old and will be close to 19 by the time he debuts in the NHL next year. Um, and I think calling – again, not that Marion Host is a bad player. He's an amazing hockey player. Great, but I, yeah. I feel like calling Lafreniere Host is selling him short. Uh, the, with the style of game Lafreniere plays, he's Crosby light. 
He's he's not going to be Sidney Crosby, so get that out of your heads right away, even though he plays for Ramuski as well. <laughs> but he's that style of player, and he's that, that top-line winger who could score 80 to 100 points a season on the regular and still be reliable. He does everything very, very well. Th- that's the thing with Lafreniere. There's no holes in his game. None. Zero. Some people criticize his skating, uh, which is valid. I don't think it's a, as big of an issue as it's been made out to be, and most of the pundits are starting to agree on that. Um, I mean, the dude's at almost three points a game right now in the queue. It's it's absurd. Everybody loves the the classic one versus two, Taylor versus Tyler, or whatever that one was, and Jack Eichel versus Connor McDavid, and it's just like everybody needs to relax. It's, you need it for the the conversation points, but like, it, we're, and we're still so in the early in the season. I don't know if Quinton Byfield's this elite or if he's this elite because he's so much physically ahead of everybody, all his peers in the OHL right now. Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not. He doesn't play that style of game as much. He can bump yeah. the body around, but he does have a exceptional finishing. Oh, no. He's, he's got all the skill in the world, but it's just. Yeah. He, he, that always comes up. It's because he's huge. Yeah. I know we talk a lot about centers driving lines, and that's because the Red Wings have much more depth at wing than center. But wingers can still very well drive the play. Hello, Mark Stone. Hello, Mitch Marner. You know, who is out uh, for four weeks, by the way. Four weeks. Can't wait to hear about that for four weeks on TSN. Oh, God. Joseph Delia says, sup, my dudes. Mo Money, Stacks, Cider, Baby Z, and the Guelph Connection. That's all send tweet. Uh, <laughs> Yako Ryuta says, well, well, well. The wings have a pulse. It was nice to see Awood making a video highlight for the Wings. Couldn't catch that game, but will try my best to see the game today. Is it possible to be happy while watching Red Wings hockey? Yes. See the last two games. When we dissect I mean, the end of the season, we'll think about the Mantha four-goal game and the Robbie Fabry two-goal game. Yeah, I'm going to say the Boston game in like uh, 18% of the last game. <laughs> but 100% of that recap will be fun. Matt Platt says, since the Fabry debut, I've never been more confident in the Iser plan. Unreal return, definitely fueled by Blues GM's promise to Fabry, but damn, what a fleecing. How do we feel about a Bertuzzi-Larkin-Fabry line followed with Athanasiu flip Mantha? Feels like the only logical choice with the clear Bert-Fabry connection. We all know Blashill won't do it, though. I'm actually in favor of keeping Mantha on the top line. Um, well, then you are going. You didn't pay enough attention to the last 12 minutes of the game today because Fabry was up with Larkin and Bertuzzi. No, but I'm in favor of keeping Mantha on the top line. No, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah uh, but Blashell already had his blender out. Uh, Mantha, I think, isn't a kind of talent that can't produce without uh, top line line mates, but with the amount of goals that he can put out, you have to maximize that. Hey, they had him out with Fabry on a line change and it ended up in a goal. Well, keep Fabry out. Larkin, Fabry, Mantha. Here we go. Sorry, Bert. Athens, you, Bertuzzi. Guy. Yeah, actually, no, that doesn't make sense. Uh, you you would think that having Fabry would allow Bertuzzi to move down the lineup, which is actually a huge advantage, but you can't have three wingers on the line. Although maybe the Red Wings will try it. Fabry is supposed to be a center, kind of. I don't – unless his knee heals like the $6 million man, I don't know if he's going to be a center at this level again. My, my first thought was, holy shit, they filled out their center depth and then – by the time I had to realize what he had played since his injuries, I'm like, all right, he barely ever played center in the NHL. But it's still in theory. And you know what? Blasha will try him there. It's always nice to have a potential option. KWAS says, so Fabry has a nice start or had a nice start, huh? I had a random feeling that they'd beat Boston. To be honest, if the Wings lost every game except those against Boston and Toronto, I could accept it. I'm here for it. Do you guys agree uh, with my thoughts that Stevie is trying to acquire skill as best he can? 
Uh, yes. 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 Now about that defense. Life note, I just had my first graded simulator event for flying the front seat in the T-45. We land visually using something called the improved Fresnel lens optical what landing system. What the hell system. are we talking about? He's uh, training in the uh, Air Force. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we he, can fly those words are too fast. long <laughs> we, we call it the ball that thing is really hard to fly man he sent me uh, his like that g-force test once that thing looks nuts oh the what do they like spin you around is yeah. that the, maybe that's like super old I yeah don't know. that's gonna be a no for me dog yeah i'll just poo <laughs> everywhere poo everywhere <laughs> chris robert says hey guys so is that the game when fabry scored both those goals and that place was about as loud as opening night seems like i always get lucky when i go to the games because they always win whenever i go but we need to temper expectations for fabry because although he can be a very good player it doesn't mean he's gonna light the world on fire like he did on friday he's not a line driver but what is the deal with pierre mcguire saying uh, about zadina getting traded and oh if, my god and if he does what would the return even look like this sorry is- if this comment is everywhere but keep up the good work you guys and evan this is why you don't read just the headline yeah that article yeah, was that was kind of out of context and paraphrased very poorly yeah it was um i wish i knew that had the full quote available it, it made a lot more sense when you actually kind of read it essentially the person asking the questions i don't know who it was asked some pretty leading questions and at one point they asked is would it be fair to say that zadina is more likely to be traded by a gm that didn't draft him and pierre was like yeah obviously any GM that comes in and they didn't draft that player, they're obviously more likely than the, his predecessor to trade that player. <coughs> so I think that's a fair statement. And then the, they asked um, if Iserman, do you like if Iserman had reports that said Quinn Hughes was a better pick than Zadina at the time at six overall? Essentially, they were like very anti-Zadina questions. Um, he never explicitly said that Zadina. If Zadina hated puppies, would he still have gone at six? Question. Uh, no. Of course not. No. Um, I don't think I, I have a lot of criticisms with Pierre Maguire. That I don't think he actually outright said Zadina was going to get traded. It was kind of a wacky interview that got taken out of context. Joe Forn- or Joseph Fornia says, Hey there, fellas. Loved watching our boys pot a few and win, but a friendly reminder they still didn't play good. They won because a broken clock is right twice a day. We can expect better looks on the power play with Fabry now, like a breath of fresh air. Fabry has injected some freshness into what's been a stale PP unit. I guess you can call it Fabry's Febreze. This pun brought to you by Safe Fresh Cheese Bags. The Athanasiu one-for-one trade game will return soon. But in lieu of that this week, uh, what is the highest possible pick you could fetch in a one-for-one trader trade? Athanasiu? First. Like, how specific do you want to get? I'll say 18. Oh, yeah. I was thinking like 15th. Like, I think that's perfectly fair to say. Uh, I went to Madison Square Garden Wednesday to watch them play the Rangers. What an arena. Not a bad seat in the house. I got to watch the full game and see some aspects we don't get from TV. Biggest surprise? Away from the puck, Helm and Abdelkader looked particularly strong. Not very skilled against their opponents, but positionally, they knew where to go. Surprisingly, Bertuzzi and Mantha looked weak away from the play, especially without Larkin, who, by the way, is incredibly faster watching the game in person. Wow, he is relentless. Last thing I noticed was Philpula Helm and Nemeth doing a lot of on-ice coaching during breaks, but not Blashill. I don't know what happens behind closed, closed doors, but I expect a head coach to be much more vocal and communicative to evaluate, to teach on the fly, especially with a team like this with the record they have, and there's little to none of it. Also, his system was so boring to watch that even the Rangers fans sitting around me felt sorry for the Red Wings' awful on-ice product. They were befuddled as to why the Red Wings are this bad, so I am now firmly on the fire Blashill train. Fabry might have just saved Disco Dan's job for now, but I'm all for Ricard Gronberg. Blasher has to go ASAP. Stay fresh cheese bags. It's a long season. Hashtag despair for Lafreniere. Hashtag yield for Byfield. Uh, Mike 
Uh, Gemignani says, good, insert time of day here, guys. Uh, I've been fortunate as of late to have a good amount of Wings podcasts to listen to with the Winged Wheel podcast and Maxim Prashant as well, so I might be getting my wires crossed a bit here. Uh, I believe they talked about how Perlini had a history playing with Larkin, but debated that it would be unfair to bump him up the lineup to play with him just to see what he's capable of. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think he would want to do that with Perlini. Uh, before we had Fabry, I would have... Just because, again, I'm very pro not Darren Helm or Justin Ablocator on the top line. Um, I would have given him a look because at that point, couldn't have gone any worse. I, Given what the Red Wings have, I actually like the way their top six is constructed now and would like it left that way. Yeah. Which means the um, the goose egg line uh, remains intact. What's a, yeah, we got to think of a good name for that line. The bagel? The bagels? The bagels? No. The bagels, the... What's the, what other, what's other euphemism donuts. for zeros? The donuts. Yeah. The donuts. The like donuts the, is good. The it's donuts. kind of insulting. <laughs> um, during the Boston game, Fabry looked real good, has history with Burt, and their chemistry obviously paid off. My question is, if we were to put Fabry on the first line with Larkin and Bertuzzi, allowing Mantha to play with Athens CU on the second line, is that seemingly the best course of action? Is that snubbing anyone in the lineup to the point where Blash probably won't consider it? Look, it'll happen because it's Blash Hill. Um, and I think you have to try that combination, especially if Athens CU can work with Mantha the way that Larkin could, or at least close to it, whatever it is won't stick because there's still not enough true top six talent there quite yet. As always, stay fresh cheese bags and congrats to Brad on baby Hank. P.S. So no one feels left out. Ryan, congrats on the cruise. And Evan, congrats on take, talking in Ryan's absence. Uh, Simon Anderson says, hey, boys, I just love that things are actually happening. He's tuned out, eh? He's gone. <laughs> I'm done. It's past my bedtime. Uh, there's small things, but it's still something. Fabry trade, Perlini trade, Erickson and Grand Rapids. Keep it going, Stevie. Just don't trade picks. Regarding Fabry, was Doug Armstrong just being nice to him? Yeah. Yeah, literally, yes. Let him get a fresh start. Nothing against Dilla Rose, but don't see what the Blues see in him. I mean... GMs are weird. They see an effective fourth-line player, and they forget the fact that a lot of other guys could do that. Um, <clears throat> I know they like their sunk fist and barbership type of players, and Dilla Rose might, on his best day, be a light version of them. But the skill's just not there. He might even be back in Europe after the season. Fabry might not be what he was when he was drafted, and injury has slowed him down. But, man, one for one, that is weird. Uh, Liz B says it is uh, – it's – <clears throat> it's what like six points in the past eight games for notice for noted first round bust Zadina. Guess Eisenman should trade him now. Maybe they can get a seventh round pick for him. And shut up, Pierre. Just shut up. I had kind of forgotten he was still employed till the Zadina comments. Uh, Philip Gastonel says, "How many points is Bertuzzi going to end the year with?" Oh, that's a good question. How many points does he have now? Sixteen and nineteen games. Fifty nine. I was going to say fifty four again. Like I don't know. I, I just I just like the the symmetry of the fifty nine yeah. there. I. Yeah, I think he'll he'll finish in the 50s again, barring some kind of injury, because he's only going to get top six minutes. Yeah, my predictions are uh, Bertuzzi finishes with 59 points, uh, Larkin finishes with 71 points, and Mantha finishes with 39 goals. <laughs> no, 40, Brad. <laughs> uh, David uh, Neitz, 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 sorry, the third says, hey, boys, been a while since I've ridden in and wanted to brag about my little brother getting to play at the LCA the other day before the unfortunate Nashville game that we went at went to after now for a question where do you real oh congratulations to david's little brother that's awesome man now uh where do you realistically see detroit finishing this season there has to be a stretch where we win a few and possibly go up a spot or two right thanks for going back to two epis a week uh to help this fan base through this train wreck and congrats brad on the sun stay fresh cheese bags thank you 29th to 31st i i still am confident in 31st it's ottawa la detroit and then everybody else Oh, man, we have a few questions left. Don Mitchell says, been a minute since my last comment, longer than a sentence. I hope the Crisco family is still doing well. 
Hope Ryan got scurvy only because he's beating me in fantasy, and I hope Evan took a nap so he's not tired. I'd like to get your opinion on my observation of the current state of the Red Wings. Uh, seeing this group of players isn't exactly a team. I'd call the Red Wings more of a club. Am I way off base thinking that there isn't a ton of team chemistry or bonding? Players that normally have posted Instagram stories together haven't since training camp. Not a ton of pushback at all from guys when someone gets ran and when things go well and the Wings social media releases locker room footage. It's a scene of disconnected individuals who sound like they're reading from a script because they know they're being recorded. I'm not a fan of what I've seen on the ice or behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I'm not too sure about that. I honestly don't read into it too much. I never like to comment on what happens behind the scenes because we'd be lying if we say we knew. Um, for it to get into a pretty apparent on ice product, it would have to be something pretty aggressive to happen. It's, I don't think that's been the case. I think it's just a general apathy about uh, being on a really. It's hard to be on a shitty team. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to know if you guys think that these recent trades are Eisman making waves in the room or a de- deviation from what he was planning on doing. The Perlini trade seemed like a move from left field. The Fabry trade, St. Louis being a gift. Um,. Do you see more moves before the end of the year? Will we see these newly acquired players being moved again before the deadline? With 14 RFAs at the end of the year, who do we re-sign or move? Lastly, the Wings go to all three Cali teams. What's the week's record going to be? Sorry for the long post. Cheers, Don. So we have two bad teams and one good team. So I'm saying... One, one, one. One and two. Uh, two bad teams? Yeah. Yeah, we're going one and two. Uh, <clears throat> I think... I don't think Eisman's trying to make waves in the room. I think he's stalking on talent. It's just as simple as that. Simple solution. Uh, Matt uh, Bacher says, hey, guys, just recently became a patron after listening um, since the beginning of last season. Matt, thank you so much and welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast family. Uh, it's been very cool to watch you guys grow, getting your first sponsors and interviewing the likes of McCarty and Litstrom. All big achievements to be proud of. Between you guys and Dangle, I had enough hockey to listen to during the 10 to 12 hours of commuting for work. Now with a new, much better job and shorter commute, I try to fit, fit Steve in when I can. Sorry for mentioning the Leafs here, but here's my question. With the likes of Zach Hyman and Dermot getting healthy and Toronto at the cap, a couple of people seem to think the Leafs might offload Nylander for cap relief. Is it too much of a stretch to think Athens EU plus something or someone on a serviceable contract for him? Cheers and congrats on losing even more sleep, Brad. <laughs> and now even more and more sleep. Um, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I know everyone says Dubas gave Nylander his word, but Dubas is learning very quickly how to be a successful GM, and that's by making the tough moves. So I don't think he'd be averse to moving Nylander for the right deal. Um, Athens EU is also up. As an RFA. Yeah. Nylander's making 6.9 right now. Do you th- uh, How low do you think Athanasius' next contract's going to be? Because I don't think uh, it's going to be any less than 5.5 at best. At, at best. If he puts up 30 again, it won't be 5.5. It'll be pretty damn close to Nylander's. Uh, would I like to see Detroit trade for Nylander? Yes, of course. Absolutely. But uh, I don't think it'll come... I don't think Detroit has what Toronto would want in return. There's... Detroit will not give up their first-round draft pick, and that's kind of the end of the conversation. Uh, Rowan says, Good day, Dud Duds. I was checking on our favorite Western Ontario Athletic Association senior double-A hockey team, the Milverton Four-Wheel Drives, and I noticed they've had a series of shootout games, which is obviously pretty exciting. Thought I'd give you a peek at player stats, so I clicked onto the dudprospects.com to see the number number 28 in your program and last in your heart bradley jonathan least popular podcast host crisco with two goals one assist in five games now i know what you're thinking not bad but it's a far cry from noted leader winston uh Sestnik with his five goals and four assists most troubling is a goalie situation where one of them has a 10.34 four goals against Whoa. average the others are 6.91 and 4.15 
Man, I thought the Wings goalies had it rough, but it seems like the four-wheel drives don't play defense at all. Jersey time. Brad, you dummy, you didn't even answer this last week, which is surprising given they're your favorite team. But what did you think of the Dallas Winter Stars class? Dallas we did Stars. Talk about we did. We jersey. absolutely talked about that. Ryan, since you're back in, way on this in the Preds jersey as well. Save fresh cheese bags. Um, love the Dallas one. I think that logo should be their new primary logo. I might be on popular opinion. I don't love the Nashville ones. I think they're okay. I think the word mark is boring and it's also why does the p touch the bottom but nothing touches the top i always wonder that ryan <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it wasn't i i think dallas's are the, substantially better until someone i like the dallas ones a lot until someone pointed out that the way that the logo structure you can argue it spells out stdrs <laughs> now I can't it's a public health it. announcement <laughs> i can't not see that now and it makes it that much better uh arjun shanker says hey ryan hope you had a good vacation if the red wings lose again because you came back we're just gonna stick you on a boat for good man i wish they lost the boat was nice uh, i'm pleasantly surprised that apparently mine is the only name that evan knows just saying, I totally called it in Slack about this last game. I will load this when I get the chance. Funny story. Yesterday, while drunk, forgot to press the button for my floor on the elevator. Went to the top floor. Guy came on and I said, hey, aren't you an Avs player? Are you Sam Gerrard? And he said, no, I'm Tyson Yost. <laughs> and laughed. Oops. That's amazing. Man, at work sometimes, I'm like, on, I'm on my phone in the in the elevator. And I've done this once where I my floor came and went and I was still in the elevator and there was no one else on it. It just started going down. And I'm like, what the, f-? like what happened? You just zonk out. Eh? Yeah. Or f- a few times I've just walked out cause I thought it was my stop. And I'm oh like, yeah. What? And then you have to pretend Where? that's your floor. It's like, Oh yeah, I got a meeting on this yeah. floor. I'm not a dumbass. Uh, Arjun called Fabry scoring in his first game. Uh, finally, Brad, where the fuck is Rowan getting all these photos of you from your youth? Did he steal a photo album from your parents' house or something? I legitimately don't know, but since they started surfacing, I've made all my social medias except Twitter private. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if a- anybody else is looking for them, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's other ways to get them. There's definitely other ways to get them. Oh, I can be bought. Michael Barry says, Eisenman recently asked a player if he smoked weed for the draft. It was Kirby Doc. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, the tough interview questions aspect and any questions you'd be afraid to answer Eisenman uh, if he asked you? No, it's... I think it's Team? funny as hell. How many how many days per week do you at McDonald's and there I'm just sweating bullets? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, sir. How long have you spent in the drive-through at King and Columbia McDonald's? <laughs> oh, days. I don't even have to. I don't even need the app anymore. I've just got a chip implanted in my arm. Honestly, there was a time when they had the the coffee promotions or the the free fries of the Raptors scored 12 three-pointers that I was there like four days a week. They I don't even spend a lot. They don't even say anything. They just say you again. Yeah. They go, oh boy. Yeah. Um, awkward draft questions. I think, uh, first of all, I think that question from Eisman is hilarious. Very obviously he was messing around. Um, I think I it's hope, funny Anyway, but no, the whole reason I was listening to an interview, I think it was on Craig Custance's podcast where he had a sports psychologist on and they don't care about what the questions are or what the right answer is. They just want to see how you're going to answer it. How you think on your feet is very important yeah. in real life and probably in hockey. Yeah, because one of the, one team apparently asked Spencer Knight, what's, uh, how did they phrase it? What's more important to you, stopping pucks or preventing goals? Preventing goals. I mean, that's the answer I would have went with, but then you have to explain it. Um, we're going to have some questions from Twitter and Reddit. Uh, from Reddit, Lozak... Uh, X says, can someone update Brad that Raymond looks pretty disappointing, basically having zero impact in the SHL and looking meh in the under-20 league, and we're all on the Stutzel hype train for now. 
I'm still on the Raymond hype train. Uh, Stutzel's very entertaining. To Apparently, watch I was listening to a podcast. It might be pronounced Stoitzel. Stoitzel. I mean, it would make sense. Going Neutzel for he's, Stoitzel. <laughs> there we go. Title. He's okay. got. Uh, he's got the two little dots, whatever that means in German. Are above those the umlauts? U. Umlauts. Umlauts. Dude, this he linked to the streamable streamable video, and this guy absolutely just dummies this whole team. Like the guy's a freak. Who Stoitzel? Yeah. Stutzel? Yeah. Timmy. Uh, Little Timmy the German. Max Smash says, can you provide some examples of former first-rounders who blossomed on a new team? Pretty hyped for Bobby Eyebrows and want to daydream about what he could become. We've got a very good example. Kyle Quincy. Right now. No, wait, he wasn't drafted in the first. Dylan Strom. Yeah. yeah. That's very recent. And apparently maybe Alex Nylander at the same time. Brendan Smith. Uh, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> uh, you guys, I'm half kidding. Only half kidding. Dan Cleary. That took a while. It took a, it took a long time, but Dan Cleary. I, that I took a while. There, there. It's happened numerous times, though. What about was Chris Draper first round pick? Definitely not. No. I don't. Uh, know. Well, he wasn't in the. He wasn't an NHL draft. They didn't pick. do the draft back then. Taylor Hall. Eyes. <laughs> no, he was. Eiserbaz says, uh, "What's the worst job?" Playing netminder behind the Red Wings defense or running Sportsnet's PR Twitter. <laughs> Oh. oh boy! Um, you hopefully you only have to be the Sportsnet PR Twitter once in a while. Yeah. With the Red Wings goaltending, you have to be there for at least half the season. So there's 52. Oh, sorry, how long is the hockey season? There's 30 coaches' corners during the regular season, give or take. There's 82 Red Wings games. So. Yeah. With that, we're gonna wrap up this week's episode. Thank you guys for putting up with my disjointed vacation brain, uh, and for putting up with these two meatheads over the past week. We will see you uh, midweek. Probably Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Yeah, I'll be there. It'll probably be Thursday for me. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Oh, I'm, my plans, my plans at eight a.m. on Wednesday. I'm out. Well, you wouldn't have been able to make it on Wednesday. I know it was a joke. Oh, uh, we want to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors: Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Ryan Lewis, Sean Levine, Matt McKay, Hannah Lee, Kalen Wood, Jacob Turner, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel. Craig Kibble, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Simon Anderson. Thank you all so much. Uh, enjoy having beat Boston and Vegas. Enjoy the Robbie Fabry hype before we all come crashing back down to earth, and we will see you midweek. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.